Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. If you're joining us online today, whether you're listening uh, on a podcast or on Facebook or YouTube, we're glad that you're here also, you know, uh, watching online and participating online. It's kind of like being at home and watching the commercial for Outback Steakhouse come up, you know. You see that juicy steak, you're like, oh man, that looks good. But it's not the same as being there, right, and tasting it. So anyway, if you can get here, get here and taste the steak for yourself. It's really good. I like mine medium rare. So if you missed last week, um, you missed a pretty important message, actually, and don't worry because we're going to catch you up, but it was interesting because as I was preaching the message, in the middle of the message, this thought like runs through my mind of like, I feel like this is like six months overdue. Like I wish I should have preached this message like six months ago, but I wasn't putting it off. It wasn't like a message I was like scared to preach or afraid to preach. It was more like sometimes there's things going on and you don't know exactly how to articulate what that is, or you don't know like the way of delivery, you know, what's the best way for delivery. And so sometimes that, that takes time to formulate and to come together, which is far better than just rushing out and spouting off a bunch of stuff that you haven't really thought through anyway, right? Uh, which is kind of one of the issues that we have in our culture. People just kind of like, oh, that's the shiny thing. Let's just hop on that right now. And they haven't given it a lot of thought. And so, uh, you know, I just try to not do that and try to be slow sometimes. And I know that's painful for some people because like, would you please do something about this or say something about this? But uh, we want to do it in a way that really honors the Lord the best and honors what he's called us uh, to, who he's called us to be as a people and the work that he's called us to do here in Middle Tennessee. Amen. So if you weren't here, I will catch you up to speed and then we'll build on top of that foundation today. Um, we're living in the last days and being in the last days, there's two realities that we're facing. Um, number one, the dark is gonna keep getting darker. Difficult days are ahead. But simultaneously at the very same moment, there's another reality and that is, is that, that the light will not be overtaken by the darkness. And the light will shine even brighter. And so the question is, what is our response to these realities? The answer is, is that we will keep ourselves in the love of God. I asked you to say that with me last week. Let's say it again. Say, I will keep myself in the love of God. You know, in Jude's letter to the church, he writes and he tells us to contend for the true Christian faith. And he wrote this letter because corruption had kind of infiltrated into the church and come in through the back door. And Jude references Old Testament prophets. He references the apostles, Peter, John, and Paul, who are all warning about kind of this distortion of the gospel. And all those apostles were even, they were just kind of building on and repeating what Jesus had said himself. And, and so let's read this passage again in Jude, verse 17. It says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, In the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. 
And Jesus says, this is what's been prophesied. And it's these people that's been prophesied about who cause divisions, the worldly people, they're devoid of the spirit. They don't have the Holy Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Let's say it right there again. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So we're keeping ourselves in the love of God so that when Jesus comes, he makes everything right. Yes, we are to be about building his kingdom and carrying the culture of the kingdom wherever we have influence on the earth. But not everything is gonna be made right until Jesus comes and there will be a day of reckoning and he will right all the wrongs, amen? And Jude and the apostles weren't just talking about what was happening out in the world somewhere. They were talking about what was happening in the church, And we look around the world today, we see more division than any other time in our lifetime. And what we're seeing in these last days is the manifestation of two spirits. Number one, the Holy Spirit, right? Joel chapter two, uh, God prophesies through the prophet Joel and he says, in the last days, I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh, on all my sons and daughters. Young men will dream dreams or have visions and old men will dream dreams. But there's another spirit that we see manifesting in these last days, and that's the spirit of this age. It's a direct counterfeit to the Holy Spirit. The scriptures talk about how there's going to be people, again, not just in the world, but also in the church, that are propelled by their own desires. They don't have the Holy Spirit, which means they're being influenced by the spirit of this age, the counterfeit spirit. And over the last 19 months, we've seen many people being influenced by this counterfeit spirit and they've lost the faith and they've deconstructed, right? And that might be a new word for you, but it's kind of the buzzword right now going around, you know, so-and-so is deconstructing or I've deconstructed. there's There's a Instagram account that I've been following of people who've actually deconstructed. And you're like, well, J.D., why do you follow that account? It's because I want to be aware of what people are saying and what they're going through. It's not because I'm following in their footsteps. It's because I want to hear the arguments. I want to hear what they're saying so that I can have a biblical preparation and, and guarding of my heart of saying, okay, this is how they got there. This is how I can avoid what what they've gone through or how they got to where they're going through. And and actually, Psalm chapter one kind of lays out the process of deconstruction for us. And if we look at Psalm chapter one, verse one, it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, or your uh, version might say the scornful. And you're like, wait a second, that's, how is that deconstruction? This starts out with blessed, right? Blessed is the, is the man that does not do these things, <laughs> right? So you're walking on the path of following Jesus, but you allow yourself to receive counsel from ungodly voices. Sometimes ungodly voices can wear church clothes. And, and so you're, you're, now walking according to the counsel of the spirit of the age and not according to the counsel of the Holy Spirit. And you know, ungodly counsel is easy to come by. You don't even have to go looking for it. It just will, it, it's just right there in your face and you, everywhere you turn. So now you're standing 
in the path of sinners. It starts out with listening to ungodly voices, but now you're actually standing in the way or in the path of sinners, and you begin to question the things of God, and you're now open to compromise in various areas of your life, and your zeal for Jesus isn't what it was. Then the progression leads you to actually now take a seat and rest and abide and make your home in the place of cynicism and criticism. Not only have you stopped following Jesus, now you're criticizing others who are following Jesus and you've become a scoffer and this is the process of deconstruction. And so we've got to be sober and we've got to be vigilant because it could happen to any of us. That's why Peter gives us that instruction. Be sober, be sober, be vigilant, right? He's talking about the, the enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion prowling, seeking who he, who he may devour. Well, if I'm not sober and vigilant, then I'm susceptible, right? It could happen to any of us. And so don't think, don't sit here and think, well, that could never happen to me. That, well, there's all kinds of people it's happened to, and they thought the same thing. So in these end times, there's an outpouring of a counterfeit spirit, and there's also a counterfeit gospel. And included in the counterfeit gospel are these two things called critical theory and social justice. And the world says, and here's why I say that, because on the outside, it kind of like looks fine, it looks good, because they use some good language. But critical theory and social justice says, hey, we have these new systems, we don't need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not even just like, um, it's not even just that critical theory and social justice are like, oh, well, that's cool. You guys, the gospel can exist over here and we can do our thing over here. No, it is antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is diametrically opposed to, it is hostile towards the gospel. You say, no, not only do we not need the gospel, we need to deconstruct the gospel and we are gonna fix the world this way. That's counterfeit gospel. And these movements, like I said, have hijacked language, language of the scripture, biblical words like, like equality and justice. And you, you read through the New Testament and you, you hear Paul talking about these things. You hear Paul talking about equality. And you hear in the, in the, you read a lot about justice in the Old Testament. But the spirit behind that movement is not the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of the age. How do we know it's not the Holy Spirit? Well, you simply look at the fruit. And if you look at the fruit of that movement and you look at the fruit of the spirit and those two things don't line up, then we go, oh, well, that's, that movement's not being inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of the sage. One of the reasons that critical theory and social justice are gaining popularity in the church is because of our desire to be accepted by the world. We wanna fit in with the world. The greatest fear in our generation is the fear of being left out. Weak people are willing to compromise and go with the flow if it means that they'll be accepted. And they won't, well, man, I'll just do this as long as I won't be thought of as weird. 
I'll go with the flow here as long as I don't be as I'm not looked at as an outsider. It's why a lot of people are signing up for the most nonsensical ideas of our modern history. Things that make no sense whatsoever, but they're hopping on those trains because everybody else is there already. Because, well, I don't want to get left behind. I don't want to look, you know, like I don't know what I'm talking about. I want to be included. And what we've done is we've elevated, we've got our position with God, and then we've got our position of the world, and we've elevated our position with the world over our position with God. And we've settled for a temporary cheap imitation of the world's version of acceptance instead of firmly standing, knowing that God has already accepted us through Jesus Christ. We'd rather hear the world say, you're one of us, than hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. And the thing that we need to keep in mind is that because critical theory and social justice are antithetical to the gospel, that does not mean that the gospel is antithetical to equality and justice. Not one bit. There are righteous, godly ways to stand up for justice that are Holy Spirit inspired, breathed on by the Holy Spirit. So what we have to be fully aware of and we have to be sober and vigilant of, of what's going on. We, we need to do what Jude tells us to do. We need to keep ourselves in the love of God. Yeah. We can't just wait for things to get easier. We can't wait for things to go back to normal. There's difficult times ahead, but that's okay. It's okay that there's difficult times ahead. Why? Because we were made for such a time as this. God did not put you on this earth at this time so that you would cower, so that you would run away from, so that you would pretend that the challenges that we face don't exist. He put you here to be an overcomer. Just like the great men and women throughout history that were born at pivotal times, so were you. You were made for this time. You were made for the days that we're living in. Don't sit there and think, man, it sure would be easier if I was born 100 years ago. Or a couple hundred years ago. You were made for this time. Lean into it. Embrace it. The thing that we have to be careful of is that if we do everything right externally, but we don't keep ourselves in the love of God. We can do everything right on the outside, but what about our heart? It's possible if we are going through the motions, but we don't check our heart, it means it's, we're still open to the possibility of walking in the counsel of the ungodly standing in the path of sinners and eventually sitting in the seat of the scoffer. How we overcome is by keeping ourselves in the love of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
We could rattle off a long list of names of believers, of Christian leaders who had lots of influence. They had thriving ministries. They preached to thousands and thousands. They believed the Bible, but today they're shipwrecked in their faith. How did that happen? At some point along the line, they failed to keep themselves, they failed to intentionally keep themselves in the love of God. And we can't, again, we can't say, oh, that never happened to me. Again, that's what they thought. So we have to be sober, vigilant, and intentional. So how do we do it? How do we maintain ourselves in the love of God? How do we keep ourselves in the love of God? There's probably a lot of good answers, but we're gonna boil it down to just these three things today here. If we're gonna keep ourselves in the love of God, we cannot lose our conviction, our courage, and our compassion. If we're gonna stay in the love of God and maintain ourselves in the love of God, we cannot lose our conviction, our courage, or our compassion. Conviction. You know, it's okay sometimes for some convictions to morph and change and evolve over time. Sometimes we have convictions that actually need to evolve, right? (laughs) I've got some friends in the house who have family members whose convictions need to change, right? Right, yeah. (laughs) Let me give you a light example. This is just a light example but it proves the point. When I was a kid, I had the conviction that Applebee's was a cool place to eat. <laughs> but my convictions have changed. And now my conviction is, if I want to heat up mediocre frozen food, I can just do that for myself in my house for a lot cheaper then they can do it for me at Applebee's. Some of y'all are really offended right now because you're like, I like that Walker Hayes song. Fancy like Applebee's on a date night, you know? And if you think Applebee's is fancy, I'm sorry. I'm sincerely sorry for you. On a more serious note, I've known people that have had convictions about things that were anti-biblical, but then they got a revelation, and their understanding changed, and then they reordered their lives around the new conviction. I knew these two guys who were involved in a homosexual relationship together, and the Holy Spirit revealed truth to them, and they repented And they reordered their lives around their new conviction. It was remarkable. Remarkable story. Does that mean that they were never tempted ever again to go back and and slip in and, and act on that old way of living? On their old ways? No. I'm sure they probably were tempted at some point or another, but they had a new conviction. Instead of giving in to that temptation, they held firm to their new conviction and they did what Romans chapter 12 tells us. They offered themselves as a living sacrifice to God. 
which is a reasonable act of worship. They did not conform to this world, but they were transformed by the renewing of their minds so that they would prove what the will of God was, which is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen? So there are convictions that can change and are fluid, and there's some convictions that should never change. There are convictions that we've got to have anchored in our hearts and our minds that no man or no force of hell could ever take from us. What are those convictions? We give a long list of those things, but in short, just let's start with our firmly held belief that Jesus is who he says he is and that he has accomplished what what he accomplished. Our firmly held conviction that the Bible is the true and inspired word of God, that it is accurate, and that the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ is near. And we've got to hold fast to these things and these other biblical truths. We cannot allow our convictions to be shaken. If we're going to maintain ourselves and keep ourselves in the love of God, these are the convictions that cannot change, that cannot be shifted. Also, we can't lose our courage. When things begin to unravel in a person's life, oftentimes it's connected to the fact that they've lost their nerve. John Tyson, who is the pastor of Church of the City in Manhattan, just heard this a couple weeks ago, he said that he's lost 50% of his church over the last 19 months. Some of those people ran away from the fight and some of them people ran away altogether from the faith. They lost their nerve. They ran up against hostility and they took the path of least resistance. We cannot lose our courage. What is courage? Courage is your moral strength to persevere in the face of danger. And the thing about it is is that you don't really know that you have it until you're faced with difficulty. You can say all day long, oh, I'm courageous. Oh, that's great, wonderful. But you don't know until you're faced against it. We can't lose our moral strength. We can't lose our courage. What will you do when you're actually faced with opposition? The fear of man is a trap. We cannot simply be those people who live only for consensus. Why? Because the fear of what other people think about you will only deplete your courage. And if there's one thing that we know, we know that nothing great on the earth has ever been accomplished without the ingredient of courage mixed into it. Nothing. You know, there's three kind of leaders. There's Moses leaders. There's Aaron leaders. And there's Joshua leaders. Moses leaders are the kind of leader that can get people out of something, but they have a hard time getting people into something. (laughs) 
Barren leaders are the people, are, are, the, are the kind of leaders that just give the people whatever it is that they want. Totally spineless. Just totally like, well, all right, well, whatever you want. That's, that's not really not a leader, right? And then there's Joshua leaders who sharpen their knife and line up the boys and say, we're gonna cut off whatever is gonna keep us from entering into the promised land that God has given to us. <laughs> Somebody read Joshua chapter five. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's right there, so. You know what it takes to be that kind of leader? It takes courage. It takes courage to enter into the promised land. It takes courage, and we cannot lose it. And we also cannot lose our compassion. We can't love people as Jesus did, and we can't love people as Jesus commanded us to if we're not remaining in the love of God. Love for people is actually just an overflow of, the, of your experience, your own personal experience with the love of God. When we know that we're loved by God, it makes it so much more easy, it makes it more natural for us to love other people. When we talk about maintaining ourselves in the love of God, we're talking about just this, the intimate, personal, inner life with God. Like, each one of us needs a personal history with God that not everybody knows about. And I'm not saying that our faith is just individualistic. No, our, our faith is individualistic. It's also communal. But there are some things that we have with uh, our relationship with God that's just between me and him. We need that kind of relationship with him. Because secondhand experiences will only get you so far. Some of us have tried down this path of trying to develop a relationship with God, and we've not gotten very far because it's not always an easy thing to develop a relationship with an invisible God. <laughs> And I'm not saying that if you've tried down this path and you've not gotten very far or if you've stopped, I'm not saying that you're going to hell. You still believe. You believe that Jesus is Lord. You're submitted to his lordship. But there's this issue of relationship that you've just not cultivated yet because there's, it's, I don't know how to do this. It's much easier to develop a relationship with Tim because he's right here in front of me. I can see him. I can touch him. I can smell. I'm not going to smell him. That's what some other people do. And, um, but I, I can hear him with my ears. I'm not going to taste you either. But, but my senses, it's easy. It's easy. We're right here. But sometimes an invisible God, if we've not already developed that relationship, it's like, ah, uh, how do we do this? And so we've given up on the idea that we can actually have a relationship with God. But here's what you need to know, that the Father takes delight even in our struggle as we are coming after him. It's kind of like a dad watching their son try to like ride a bike, 
learn how to ride a bike. And the son falls off the bike and the son just is embarrassed. He might've skinned his knee. He feels like a failure. He's scared to do it again. But, the, but dad walks over there, he picks his son up. He says, that's okay. That's all right. This is part of it. This is part of the process. This is the part of learning. Get, let's get back on. Let's go again. You can do this. And we can't just focus on external things. We've got to give our attention to our inner life with God. Makes me think about the letter that Jesus wrote to the church in Ephesus. We're gonna read this here in Revelation chapter two. This is what um, Revelation two, chapter two, verse one says this, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. And here's the message right here. I know all the things you do, Jesus says. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but they're not. You've discovered that they're liars. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting. Isn't that good? It's like a good pat on the back from Jesus. He's giving it, you're like, attaboy. Man, you are doing a great job. You feel all good. Church in Ephesus is like, Jesus. And then Jesus continues. He says, but I have this complaint against you. Oh, dang it. I thought we were going to come out of this one unscathed. Oh, Jesus loves us so much. He's willing to correct us. Okay, all right. Jesus says, I have this complaint against you. You've done all these amazing things, all these external things, but you don't love me and you don't love each other like you did at the beginning, like you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do what you did at first. You know, all the things that we do for God are great. He sees those things and he's like, that's wonderful. As long as I'm still on the throne of your heart. And you're not just going through the motions. I don't just want your deeds. I want your affections. God's not impressed with our titles what we have done for him. You know, when I'm in my prayer time with the Lord, the Lord does not address me as Pastor JD. God is, God, I'm not saying God doesn't care about our deeds, but I'm saying he cares less about what I can do for God, for him, and he cares more about who I'm becoming in him. And you don't just get there by just doing all the right things. You get there by spending time in his presence. The intimate relationship. Personal history. What is it we're talking about? We're talking about keeping ourselves in the love of God. And if we're gonna keep ourselves in the love of God, we cannot lose our compassion. Why? Because 
What, what does Jesus call the Ephesians out for here in this passage? He says, not only do you not love me like you used to, but the byproduct of not loving me the way that you used to is now that you aren't loving each other like you used to also. So if we wanna increase our capacity for love for people, then it starts with actually, starts at the very beginning with focusing on our intimate personal relationship with the Father. We need to come to the Lord and just be okay with being in his presence and just be okay with resting in his presence and, and embrace just getting to know him in his presence instead of approaching God as if he's some kind of tool or machine that we can use and leverage to build our own kingdom, our own empire. Instead of that, we need to come to him with the attitude of, Father, today I'm yours. Here I am. Just, that's it. Just want to be with you. Why is that attitude key? Because just like the Ephesians, it's possible for us to do all the right things, but not keep ourselves in the love of God. The most important thing that we can do as leaders, and I want to encourage you, if you don't picture yourself and think of yourself as a leader, I want you to, I want to challenge that paradigm in your mind. Yes, it's true, in order to be a good leader, you've got to first learn how to be a good follower. But God has called you to influence. If you're a believer, he's called you to have influence. And our most important responsibility as leaders, as men and women of God, as fathers and mothers, as husbands and wives, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, as friends to one another, is for us to do what Proverbs 4.32 instructs us to do, and that's to guard our heart. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Out of the overflow of guarding our hearts is where we'll be able to strengthen or regain our conviction. Strengthen or regain our courage. Strengthen or regain our compassion. If we don't maintain ourselves in the love of God, we'll find ourselves giving our time and our attention and our focus and our energy and our resources to a counterfeit gospel instead of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll find ourselves being influenced by the spirit of the age instead of the Holy Spirit. And here's, again, like I said this before, one of the things about the spirit of the age, sometimes it dresses up in church clothes and it can be difficult at first sometimes to recognize. But then you see the fruit. What is the fruit? Jadedness. Cynicism, criticism, division, the fear of man and not the fear of the Lord, fear of missing out, fear of being excluded from the things of this world and not so much, man, I want to be invested in the, the things of the eternal realm and the things of God.
walking in the counsel of the ungodly, standing in the path of sinners, sitting in the seat of the scoffers. You know from the fruit when others are under the influence of it. But more importantly, we need to be able to discern when we start to become under the influence of it. And we need to guard our hearts because out of our hearts comes all the other issues of life. That means sometimes you're gonna need to turn off the news. Doesn't matter which station. It could be CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News. Shut it off. Take a break from social media. Why am I saying this? Because when whatever you're consuming starts to make you feel irritated all the time, it makes you feel angry, it makes you feel anxious, what's happening in your heart? Now, some of the things you might feel, well, I'm totally justified in feeling this way. And that might be true to some extent, but we're gonna, we're talking about guarding our heart so that we can stay in the love of God. Not just do all the, the right things on the, in, on the outside and the external. What's going on in here? You've got to ask the question, what's influencing me? The spirit of the age or the Holy Spirit? What's motivating me? Love for this world or the love of God? We've got to keep ourselves and maintain ourselves in the love of God. So we must not lose our conviction, our courage, and our compassion. Let's pray. We're gonna pray and then we're gonna, I'm gonna ask you to stand with us and sing this just song of dedication last night. I just had this, I was thinking about the message and thinking about how everything culminates. And this kind of song just kind of hit me. Like this, this needs to be our song and prayer of dedication. This morning, you may remember this old song from 1982, praise chorus called Sanctuary. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. We're gonna sing that, but let's pray first. Father, we come to you as children we confess that we need you. We need you, oh, how we need you. Even greater than we know. Father, we pray that you would immerse us in your grace, that, that you would pull back the veneers of our heart, God, and show us the places that you want to restore us and strengthen us and fortify our abiding in you and in your love as your love is the source for all things in our life. Lord God, I pray that in these last days, in this time that you have put here, put us here on this earth for such a time as this, God, that we would experience more than just relevant information, God, but we would experience your transformative revelation. God, speak to us through your word. Change us through your word. Speak to us through our relationships, God, with 
our spiritual fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters, God. Speak to us when we're all by ourselves, when we're all alone. And God, speak to us even in our dreams. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We desire for you, Lord, to once again wash the feet of us, your servants. Wash us with your presence and your love, God. We declare today, we make a stand today. We will say, God, we will keep ourselves in your love. Would you stand with us? Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.